Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to this episode. Today we're going to talk about something I haven't spent much time talking about, but it's so important. It's important for many reasons. One, of course, is it's near and dear to my heart because I am a professional mediator, but it's something that many people hear about and they may go to when they want a divorce or they're having a difficulty over an issue. I mean, I've mediated all kinds of things with partners and, and with work colleagues and members of the same family with everybody in a different location and it can be done but today I want to talk about mediation and why it's a good idea as long as you're not dealing with a hijackle and you know those hijackles are those relentlessly difficult people I talk about who really make life difficult. They cause you to second guess yourself, question your sanity, and I want to help you stop the crazy making and save your sanity. So let's talk about mediation as an overall good idea, and then I will give you some reasons why it is highly unlikely to work when you are with a hijackle on the other side of the mediation. So one of the big things that I like about mediation is that it's proactive. When you choose to go to a mediator, whether it's for a relationship problem at home or at work, you're clearly saying, this matters to me. And that's a big step in the right direction. It actually matters little if you decide to go for mediation because you want the problem to end or you want the relationship to end at that moment. Mediation will actually help you figure that out. And that's what makes my practice different from those attorneys who practice mediation. Because I have a PhD in psychology and that can facilitate the deep conversations that can truly mediate. And what I mean by that is, to mediate is to be an agent for resolving differences that are much more important than settlements alone. So it's a wise choice, I think, to choose a mediator if you want to restore and rekindle your relationship or if you want to end it consciously so that you can co-parent after a divorce or separation or at least not have a lot of hard feelings. So number one great thing about mediation for those people who are not hijackals, not those relentlessly difficult people, is that it's a proactive move. It's saying, let's do something that keeps the relationship on some kind of a good track. And the second reason why mediation is a good ideal is it's short term usually. Mediations usually complete within somewhere between two to six sessions. And sometimes all it takes is one. 
So sessions, though, do to, tend to be kind of long, two or three hours sometimes, but this makes it different than counseling, which is a long-term strategy for resolving issues over time. Mediation is a short-term strategy for creating long-term agreements in specific areas of the relationship. Not everything, just specific things that you're going to mediate. And it's not a long-term commitment to improving the health of the relationship on many levels over time. Mediation is short-term, so that's the second reason it's a good idea. And the third is that mediation is focused on the present desire for a future difference. Get that? Focused on a present desire for a future difference. So mediation is more focused on how people would like to see things in the future rather than accounts and analyses of past events. And of course, if we're mediating a divorce, we're looking at the past, but we're really talking about how are we going to move forward with this? And that is a big difference about mediation. How will we move forward in the best way possible? And although our present behavior is predicated on our past, mediation is focused on the specifics of the current issue being mediated. What's right in front of us right now, the one thing, we're focused on that. Or maybe there are two things, but it is not focusing on the whole relationship. It's not trying to take everything into account. We're focused on the specific tasks today. So a counselor's role is different than a mediator's in that regard because the mediator is not focused on the origins and patterns of behavior that have led to the current relationship problem. The mediator works with what is to create an agreement both parties can live with in the long term. So that's really a distinction that we need to keep clear. So we're creating future differences by what we decide together in a mediated settlement. And then number four, mediators, not as opposed to attorneys, mediators are neutral. That's one of the big features that as a mediator, I have to be neutral, no vested interest in either party. And I must maintain that. Mediators are trained to be neutral to view each participant in the mediation as they are right at that minute in real time and not to take sides at all. And that's a major difference from uh, counseling or therapeutic interaction where the focus is on moving toward health for all concerned, including the relationship. So it's a big deal, of course, Psychologists and psychiatrists and counselors and therapists of all stripes are taught to be neutral, but they are not deciding the outcome on the basis of that neutrality in quite the same way because a mediator does not decide anything. A mediator facilitates the conversation so that the participants do the deciding. So the mediator controls the process, but can't influence the outcomes, except that factual information, such as laws that the mediator may provide, may in fact influence the outcomes. That's not the mediator's job, though. That's the facts. 
And it is not the mediator who does the influencing, just the facts. Now, hijackals, are they interested in facts? No, they're not. So when facts are presented, they'll tell you they've never heard that before, that that's not the way it was, that the other person is lying. They will do anything to manipulate the truth so that they can win. So that's a big reason why it doesn't work very well to go to mediation with a hijackal. But there is one caveat on that because I have heard of hijackals who were attorneys who refused to stake their reputation by going to court. And so they took a mediated settlement so that they could keep their reputations as attorneys. So it does happen when someone has a vested interest in keeping it on the down low that they will actually use a mediator, but not very often. And with a hijackal, mediation is usually not going to work. It's worth a try but don't get your hopes up too high. So we've had four reasons that mediation is a good idea. First, it's proactive, then it's short-term, then it's focused on the present desire for a future change, a future difference, and that mediators are neutral and they stay that way. Now, number five is that mediation requires both parties to be present and willing to negotiate. So mediation occurs between two parties. Sometimes initially the two parties are willing to negotiate and they do it through a mediator. However, they're just not ready to sit in the same room. And this involves a process known as shuttle diplomacy or shuttle mediation, where the mediator goes between the parties in the different rooms and giving messages back and forth until they're able or willing to talk directly with the mediator together in the same room. And then again, this is obviously different from counseling where one person in a relationship can seek counseling without the ever per other person ever intending to appear. And I have, however, worked with only one divorcing party to coach that person on how to proceed to get the best settlement for themselves when the other party was completely disinterested or hostile to mediation. So read that, yes, I can help you prepare to go to court with a hijackal because the hijackal is not going to come to mediation. But in mediation itself, to make it work, we need both parties present. So... When I'm working with one party, that's kind of helping them with a divorce. It's not mediation. Mediation really only occurs when there are two people with two points of view and they're present at the same time. So I hope this helped you clarify the difference between mediation and counseling of any kind. Um, because after 15, no, no, 25 years as a professional mediator, I know mediation works. And if you have a relationship problem that you want to solve, whether it's at home or work, choose mediation. You know, I alluded to it earlier. I've worked with two sisters in two different parts of the country who hadn't spoken to each other for 20 years, but they wanted to, and we mediated a settlement. It took a little bit because there was a lot of history that kept popping up, but we did it. And they were able to have the better quality interactions, actually want to get together. Very important. I've mediated between a mother and a daughter who wasn't speaking to each other. 
You know, there are all kinds of uses for mediation. But now, why doesn't it work with a hijackal? So I just want to give you a few reasons. You probably know them if you have a hijackal in your life, but I want to put them in here. It's not going to work with a hijackal because A, hijackals are not collaborative. They want to hold their cards close to the chest. They don't want to divulge things. They don't want you to know what they're thinking. They want to have an edge over you. So they always want to keep you in the dark in chaos and confusion and ambiguity. So there's a big reason why it's not going to work with a hijackal. Secondly, a hijackal has to win. They absolutely have to win. Their ego, their life, their self-image and self-esteem are on the line at every moment in every decision. Everything is a competition and they must win. Another reason it's not going to work with a hijackal, because mediation, <laughs> the hijackal wants control. They can't have it. They can't have it because the mediator is going to mitigate what's happening from that neutral place. And when a hijacker wants to have control over it, the mediator will take care of that and the hijacker will not like it. Another thing about hijackals and mediation is they'll do anything for power. So they will lie, exploit, seduce, manipulate, twist. They will do all of those things. And in that situation, the mediator will be able to hold the line looking for the truth. And so one person will be saying that's not true. The hijacker will be trying to position themselves as though it is the absolute truth. The mediator will then have to get to the bottom of the differences. The hijacker won't like that. And why doesn't the hijacker want to go to mediation? It's too up close and personal. And that hijackal just wants to use you further. You know, hijackals, as I often say, they don't have much love to give you, but they have a whole bunch of uses for you. And that doesn't work really well for them in mediation. So I hope this has been enlightening for you. It's really important to understand that mediation process. It's really important to get why it is unlikely to work with the hijackal, but worth a shot. Because if it does work, yay! If it doesn't work, you can move on to a more judicial process. But these are important things. So when you're looking at how to solve a problem with anybody, think of mediation. You know, certainly there's a place for the work that I do as a relationship consultant. Yes, we solve relationship issues. The work that I do as a professional mediator, I mediate between two people who have different points of view and want different things until we come to a level of agreement. Different. So know what you need and know who to use and now you have a better idea, I hope, of what you can expect from mediation. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler from 4RelationshipHelp.com. I know you know that, but I'm going to throw it in there. And I hope that you will tune in regularly because we always have something new and different, something valuable and practical for you. And I look forward to talking with you again soon. Hello and welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. 
I'm really excited as I usually am because my guests are all so special. And today my guest is Anthony J. Diaz. And we are going to have such a conversation because he and I are like twins in what we care about in the world. So welcome to the program, Anthony. It's great to be here, Roberta. So excited to spend some quality time with you and uh, exploring our similarities and uh, what we do. It's yes, it's exciting. So let me tell everybody about you. You're known as the peacemaker. Doesn't that sound wonderful? You know, just can't you just take a big breath and relax as soon as you hear the peacemakers on the, on the property? I think so. And he's guided thousands of people from painful conflicts to peaceful outcomes. Painful conflicts to peaceful outcomes. Again, big breath. Using spiritual principles and years of experience as a family law attorney, as a mediator, as an international speaker, an author. Tony's got it all going on. Anthony has it all going on. <laughs> I, I always ask people which they prefer to be called, and he prefers to be called Anthony. And now I'm having difficulty with that because I have a grandson <laughs> who's called Anthony. And, you know, I'm going to fall over that one for a minute. <laughs> You're still very welcome to be here. And you help people resolve conflict with compassion and create powerful relationships with passion and purpose. And tell us just briefly, what excites you most about your work? Well, there's so many things, but probably the most exciting part of what I do is from the moment I open my eyes in the morning, I know I have an opportunity to change people's lives. And that's really powerful. Um, and I'm grateful to be able to do that. Um, we all of us have an opportunity to have an impact in other people's lives. And I have that opportunity to help people that are in the middle of conflict, which as, as you know, is probably one of the most stressful times of our lives. So to be able to know that I can change somebody from being in conflict to, to being in peace is, it's amazing. Yes, and we say that so simply, don't we? And yet, that journey is not like that. It's a slow journey in many cases because we have to take away the layers of hurt and the layers of pain and the layers of misunderstanding to get to that place where people feel safe to speak again. Don't you find that? Yeah, there, there is, it's, I call it kind of peeling back the onion. Mm -hmm. And the deeper you go, the the more emotional it gets. You know, when you're peeling onion, you're, you're crying. It's the same thing with delving into our past and the hurts and the experiences we have that bring us to where we are t today. So yeah, it is easy to use the word from pain to peace, but the process is much longer and um, much more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And in your bio, you talked about using spiritual principles. So one of the things that I know about you is you're a licensed practitioner in the Centers for Spiritual Living. Let me just ask you a personal question. Did it take you long and did you have to think much about it to include spiritual principles in your practice? I think it's always been there 
on a certain level and I didn't really, I wasn't really aware of it. And then as I become more involved in my own spiritual journey and where I wanted to be and helping people in that way as a practitioner, I realized that I have already been doing this as an attorney and now I wanted to take it to the next level and to really be conscious and knowing that we're all on our spiritual journey and imagine if people going through conflict can use their spirituality to be able to make it through that. Mm-hmm. Well, I really want to dig into that with you because I was uh, speaking to someone the other day and they were saying, oh, but, you know, to be spiritual, I have to do this. And I said, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. It's not how to be spiritual. You know, we've got to stop and have a thought about that because, you know, being spiritual is not doing the right thing necessarily if you think you're putting on the cloak of spirituality in order to pull it off. Um, So what's your experience with that, with people feeling that, that there's authenticity or inauthenticity when they're using spiritual principles for the shoulds and ought tos of relationship. Well, I mean, and spirituality has a different meaning for everybody. And to me, spirituality, and I think you said it, it's not about doing anything. It's about being. And when you're spiritual, you're not spiritual when you meditate and not spiritual when you go out in the world. Wherever you go, there you are. Mm -hmm. So um, when we say, are you being spiritual? Well, that's, that's really more accurate. We're not doing spiritual, we're being spiritual, and we're a spiritual being. Mm-hmm. So it, it's more about being in that place of knowing. And we are in that place all the time. And, and, and the question is, well, the Hakma doesn't feel that way. Well, some of us are not aware or not connected to our spirituality or as connected as we want to be. So a lot of what I do, people going through a divorce, people having conflict, is helping them to connect with who they are, who they have been, who they didn't know they were. And having that spiritual connection with oneself, I can tell you it's like lights go on in people and they they have this aha moment that when they realize who they are and what's really important, they don't get focused and bogged down on who's going to have time sharing, how much child support I'm going to, it doesn't really matter. It's, it doesn't define who they are. Mm -hmm. Well, my work is all about dealing with difficult, toxic people. So uh, I see a lot of posturing in that, in that uh, demographic Uh, because they like to go to some kind of spiritual center or think that they belong to a religious center where they can then be superior in telling other people how they ought to live. And so they like to rise up and use principles or doctrine or verses or whatever to say, well, there's something wrong with you. And it's your fault, your fault, your fault. What's your experience with dealing with difficult people in your practice? Well, 
in my practice, there are in every area of what I do, there can be difficult people. You have clients who are going through their own um, experiences and, the, you know, divorce are good people going through a bad time. Um, so they're kind of dealing with that. You have attorneys that have a different view on, on the world and everything's a win-win situation. So that could be difficult. You have judges who are in this position of power and making huge decisions. And, and sometimes they react a different way because of that. So the way I like to look at those situations is I don't concern myself with what everybody else is doing or being. I want to keep my side of the street clean and I have to come from authenticity. Um, and what I found, and it's amazing, is when you set the table of authenticity, people that wouldn't normally eat that food come and they like what it tastes like. So setting a model or setting an intention of that, you create the space that people sometimes don't even know they're getting into it. And, and, and I've just seen situations change by just having a different, an intention of love an intention of peace an intention of, of, of everyone is going to get whatever they need from this situation. And without giving names or situations, I'll just tell you that things shift. Mm -hmm. So it's, Dealing with difficult people is part of everyday life. And as spiritual beings as we are in our profession, as we are in person, how we show up in those situations makes a difference in how other people show up. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you said it, Anthony, is the intention of love, you know, creating that environment, creating a space that's safe, very important components. But there are people who are difficult and toxic, and many times their, their entire intent is to take control of the situation. Have you had that experience? Absolutely. I mean, I've had clients um, who want to be right and want to be right at all costs. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had, um, and then I've had attorneys and judges. Now, attorneys and judges, I can't choose them if they're on my case. That, that's just the way it is. Or if I'm in a mediation and I have attorneys. Um, but when it comes to clients, I can pick and choose who I want as my clients. And I will tell you, I will still work with people that are difficult because um, what I see as what I was meant to do was to help other people in difficult situations. So it would be really easy to say, you're difficult, I'm not working with you. But the more challenging and to me the more rewarding decision is I've been put in your life for a reason, you've been put in my life for a reason. Let's see how this dance is going to go. Mm -hmm. um, and when I look at it that way, I, that person isn't as much difficult as they're either a lesson for me to learn or, or I'm a lesson for them to learn. But for some reason, we're supposed to be in this place at this time. So let's have at it. <laughs> yeah, let's get on with that. <laughs>
So what do you think about collaborative divorce? Interesting that you mentioned that. I'm, I'm very involved with that process here in Florida and nationally. I think it's the best overall way to resolve conflict in divorce. Um, to me, there are no cons to it. Like, you know, when you do pros and cons, I've done it. I can't tell you how many times when I meet with my clients, I do pros and cons. There are no cons to doing collaborative divorce. Um, you have like-minded people that want to work together. You avoid the court system. Um, it's the best process when you have children. And the way I, I, I explain it to, to parents is you have an opportunity to model for your children the way to handle relationship conflict. And by, by working together with the other parent, your soon-to-be ex-spouse, they're always going to be the parent for your children. And now your children, when they go out in the world, have a relationship and have conflict, now have an experience that they can refer to on how to resolve conflict. So if nothing else happens through a collaborative divorce process, then that to me, that was worth it. You know, I used to do a lot of early parent educating, and I used to say, I hope that you enjoyed the, hopefully, three minutes of conception, because at that moment, you chose to be a model of how to be a man or a woman, how to be a man or woman in a relationship for the rest of your life. How do you like that so far? And here were these new parents with these toddlers and all, and they would say, oh, I never thought of that. And then when I would tell them that, you know, brain growth being what it is, these children that you think are not hearing you and feeling you and understanding what you're saying and all, these little sensory globes that are picking up absolutely everything are in fact being influenced by you too in everything that you do, including when you fight and including when you're angry and all those things. And it was always a bit of a shocker because they hadn't thought of that, of course. And so I like what you're saying about the modeling because we are constantly modeling for our children, constantly. Even when we think they're not looking or listening, we are still the model. We are still in their heads. We're still in their hearts. We tell them how to do life well. And they may not like our model because they may find out it was a bit erroneous for them, but it's the only one they have for a long time. So it's really important for us to model those things. I'm a fan too of collaborative divorce. Unfortunately, with the population I work with, that becomes more difficult and less likely. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it is a great place for most people to start. So I, I, I like your, your um, <laughs> beginning with that. Um, so how do you know when you personally are mediating or working with a couple um, that you're just not going to be able to get agreement? What do you do in that situation? Do you stop, stop the process and talk about it? What, what is your approach? Well, that happens from time to time. I mean, many of the cases I work with, settle either partially or fully, but there have been a number of cases where we just reach an impasse and not um, be able to get any agreements. So what I, 
what I'd like to do is when we're kind of, when I have this intuition that there's, and most of the time it's because there's resistance on one or both of their parts. Um, resistance is the main reason for non-agreements. And so I like to delve into um, if th there's a no or a pushback on what I'm suggesting to get a little bit more involved in like, oh, th that seemed like it struck a chord with you or you, you had there? a reaction with that, with, with that. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. you know, th that's one of my favorite questions. No, Tell mine me more. too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's because it's really easy to try to jump to the conclusion and we all want to get there, but being able to really let it unfold and let somebody express what's going on really tells us a lot. So I'll do that either together with the couple or say, hey, can I spend some time with each of you individually? I just want to dive into some things if that's okay. And then to really go into, hey, you know, you, you had a reaction on that and, and that's okay. I'm you know, I'm okay with that, but I'm really curious on what was going on, what were you thinking, and get to know a little bit more about um, what's behind that. And I have to tell you, a number of times that helped to move the process forward, maybe not to a full agreement, but to either a partial agreement or both of them having a better understanding of why each of them is reacting a certain way or is taking a position that is not helpful for an agreement, if they can understand where each other is, is coming from, they one might be able to work it out themselves, or maybe they can go on themselves for a while, come back to me and, and be in a different place. So not just giving up, but to find out what's behind something is to me is really important, not just for me, and really, it's nothing to do with me, but really to help them understand each other better. Yes. You know, the thing that I'm loving about what you're saying, among many things, is that what you're, in, you're inviting people to do is to not be in a hurry. Mm. You know, and what, what I find many people, they're looking at their clock, they're thinking about their checkbook, they're not thinking about this decision that we're making here is going to affect us for the rest of our lives and our children. And so when you take a step aside, so you're not linear, get to the agreement and get out of here, when you can encourage them to take a, a sidestep and say, hmm, can you take a little breath here? There is some resistance. There's a little, as you said, pushback. Somehow it got rocky right there. And I'd really like to explore that. Such a valuable thing to do. Because it's not just pushing through to agreement at that point. It's actually helping the two people understand a meta model of conflict and communication. Mm -hmm. and, and you hit the, the nail on the head, communication, because when you mentioned everybody is in a rush, we're all trying to get somewhere. We live in a very fast-paced society. Mm -hmm. and, and I do some workshops on communication conscious communication and one of the things that um we're all guilty of is we're thinking of the next thing we're not really listening to what somebody is saying and if you miss one word you can really miss the whole concept of what people are saying so mm -hmm. couple that with a situation that already has a conflict 
and you're in a stressful situation, people want to have a response ready because they want to, their defenses are up and helping people to just relax and listen. And most importantly, be present, be present to what, not only what the other person is saying, to what you're feeling to what they're saying. And that just slows everything down. It's like going from, remember the old 78 records, <laughs> going to a 33. It just slows it all down to a place that you can digest everything. And that's where you start to see people start to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, too, you know, when you say to someone, we don't have to get to a destination in a certain time frame. Mm. that you can actually do a Ram Dass move. You can be here now. You know, mm-hmm. you can be fully present and realize that this is an important process in your life. And we don't want to rush it along. We want to learn from and through it. And that by doing that, even though you think you don't want to learn anything more about each other because you're kind of done, you're learning about yourself and you can have greater takeaways after this process. So I think that that's very important. Now, what's your spiritual take on ending relationships? Because I've had some guests who have said, you know, I had a psychologist on once and he said, no, you save that marriage no matter what. And, you know, I was really tempted, Anthony, to just jump right through my camera <laughs> and right down his throat. And, you know, metaphorically, I did. Verbally, I did. Um, so what's your take on that? Well, it's, I have a couple of takes. Um, you know, in my experience, and I've been divorced a couple of times. And what I've learned from my last divorce was that one intention I had when things were rocky and not knowing where they were going to go is no matter what, I'm going to try everything I can to work this out, whatever it takes, counseling, one-on-one, couple, um, alone time, communication, putting things on the table, um, airing everything out, you know, just trying everything. Radical and that was, honesty. Yeah. And that was different from my previous divorce where I just wanted to get out and that was it. I was over and done. Mm-hmm. And there was a regret that I had um, afterwards. Like, did I really do everything I could to um, save a relationship that I spent a lot of time nurturing. And I said, if I was ever in that situation again, I would make a different choice. And I did. And although the you know, last relationship ended in divorce, it, it felt better that mm-hmm. I was able to get closure and completion. So I, I don't guide people to one way or the other. I just share my experience that um, if you, if you really want to give every opportunity to seeing if this can work, um, I would encourage people to do whatever they can and not to have any regrets later. And that will also help you in your next relationship because you kind of are building up this spiritual muscle that you didn't give up, you didn't give in, but you, you looked at every possibility, you gave everything you had. And when it came down to it, some relationships are going to work and some aren't. So 
everybody is going to have to make their own decision when when a relationship ends. But but I'm a proponent on um, not leaving any stone unturned. Well, me too. And of course, that's the difference. I mean, you're a divorce attorney, a, law, a family law attorney for all kinds of things and a mediator. And I'm on the other side. I'm a relationship <laughs> consultant. So people come to me before they go to you. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, in my, in my experience with this, of course, first of all, I do ask everybody if they do have spiritual foundations underlying their thinking, because that changes the way that I approach them often. They're not coming to me for that, but I need to know what they brought with them. And then I also need to be able to give them permission to live by those principles, but to release themselves from the have tos and shoulds if they're actually hurting themselves or each other. Mm-hmm. And that's always a big, a big piece in that, because then if they move on to work with someone like you, then they will be able to say, I am not here to damage someone. I just simply, we both agree that this is the next best step. One may not want it as much as the other, but they're clear that it cannot continue. Yeah, and, and that's, but that's the great thing about working, you know, people working with you before coming to, to the decision to work with me, because either one, they're going to come to the conclusion that the relationship is worth salvaging and work on, and I will never meet them. Or if they do come to that conclusion that this is the final chapter in this uh, in this book, when they come to me, they're in a much better place for the legal process, and there isn't residue that right. still needs to be unpacked. So, mm-hmm. and the spiritual part, I, you know, again, everyone has their own understanding of what spirituality is, but for those who are comfortable and have a, an understanding of what their spirituality is, their legal process tends to to um, be less rocky and mm-hmm. less bumpy and less up and down. It's it's still going to have your not so great parts of it, but mm-hmm. having that foundation helps them to get to the end. Mm-hmm. And we're not in the shaming business, and that's very important. I'm not in the shaming business. You're not in the shaming business, nor the blaming business, nor, for that fact, the gaming business. Mm -hmm. You know, I want all three of those things expunged before they leave (laughs) me uh, and move on to someone like you. And I have mediated divorces, and I used to do that. I don't do it uh, very frequently anymore because I'm busy helping people understand the relationships that they're in. Mm. But I just want to tell everybody that I'm speaking with Anthony Diaz, and he is known as the peacemaker. He's a family law attorney. He is a mediator and an international speaker and author. And you can find him at Anthony, that's A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-J, Diaz, D-I-A-Z.com. And for all my Canadian friends, diaz.com because I'm from Canada. <laughs> so I always put those pieces in there. Um, and he has a, a free ebook for you. It will be in the show notes. So as you're listening to this, read the show notes and you will find the link to his free gift. And thank you for that, Anthony. Absolutely. So we've got a lot of great things going on here. We've got um, shared information about 
people coming in and having a growth process as they're going through the divorce process or as they're figuring out or mediating whether or not they even are in the direction of divorce. If we think of all these things as potential for growth as opposed to, oh, no, I don't want any of that. You know, I think that we change the very nature of our approach. What do you think? Yes. I, and with what both of us do, we encounter people that are sometimes at the worst times of their life. Yes. And when we're in those situations, sometimes we're not aware of the beauty and the gifts that are before us. You know, when I, even people that come to me for a divorce, I want to make sure that this is something that they want to do. And, and if they do, to let them know what a gift they have to start the next chapter in their life. And that this wasn't a mistake. I don't, I, I very rarely use the word mistake. In fact, I, I use it as mistake. So if you mistake a situation, you're going to make a decision and it comes out one way or the other. So there's no right or wrong. But looking at the end of a relationship as the opportunity for a different relationship, a better relationship, a new relationship, and that's what growth is all about. And many people don't see it that way. They look at it as, oh, my God, I have to start all over. Oh, my God, who am I going to meet? It's this... Gloom oh, yeah, and doom. Scarcity, <laughs> scarcity immediately, right? Yeah, it's yeah. that place of of recoil, as opposed to blooming and being open to what's new and what's next, and and to be able to have that opportunity to show people, um, kind of shedding light on something that maybe seems dark to them, and really, darkness and light is just really, you know one Make flip of the switch possible. right you know yeah. and so to have people to be aware and enlightened about that um to take a situation that that you have and it's a growth situation people are like what right. what are you talking about you know but that it really is it really is when one door opens another door opens and um i'm blessed in what I do that many attorneys really don't look at what they do as empowering, but they really are. And they have an opportunity to allow someone to go through this process. And when the legal process is over, they're in a position to move on with their life. So mm -hmm. to be able to let people know that, yeah, this is going to be tough for a while and it may hurt and you're going to have a lot of sadness and all the, the stages of grief. However, there is um, opportunity for, for growth and, and you have the, that opportunity. So it's when people see that, it's like, oh, you know, I didn't think of it that way. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And I think you're touching on the other piece that I was going to bring up, Anthony, which is I just don't believe that marriages fail, you know, mm -hmm. in, in, as in your mistake becoming a mistake. 
you know, just like a movie. Okay, well, that wasn't a good take, but we can have another one. I just don't believe that marriages fail. And so frequently people say to me, oh, well, it would be such a failure. No, it would be growth. It is not mm -hmm. a failure. Now, I understand that they've had that painted into that corner mm -hmm. by their early life. Somebody told them it was a failure. You're supposed to stay married forever. And if you don't do it, there's something wrong with you. And, you know, I've had so many people in my practice who have said, well, you know, I'll keep the marriage together for the children. I went, no. No, please don't do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Your children are important. Do not keep them on a battlefield. So if you can't put down your weapons, please take your weapons elsewhere. Do not be fighting over the children. And so I'd just like to eradicate for all of you listening that for you, try not to think of having a divorce as a failure. It isn't. It's something that you went through, you learned. Maybe somebody told you that things were your fault or you didn't do them well enough, but you didn't fail at something. You experienced something and you have the opportunity of learning and growing. And it's so important for us to see that. Now, Anthony, I think we could talk for a very, very <laughs> long time. <laughs> so perhaps we'll do this in a few months and have another conversation about this. Do you have one last parting bit of wisdom for everyone? Well, the, the one thing that stands out in my mind whenever I meet with any of my clients or anyone th that I work with is um to always have hope that no matter what you're going through how much pain you're in there is hope there is something better and i it, you may not see it you may not feel it but there is hope with what you're going through and and stay the course and that life has a way of conspiring on your behalf so that's what I would like to leave for anyone, whatever situation you're in. Isn't that lovely? Life has a way of conspiring on your behalf. And you know, my take on that, Anthony, is the universe always says yes. So yes, it does. <laughs> you will keep moving in that direction. So thank you so much for being with me today. It was great to be with you. Namaste. And namaste to you. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. You can learn more about Anthony Dias at Anthony with an H, anthonyjdias.com. I hope you will. I hope you look in the show notes, find his free ebook for you so that you can learn more about him. You can always find me at forrelationshiphelp.com or on my YouTube channel by the same name, For Relationship Help Today. At my offering today is the sponsorship of today's show is from my free relationship checklist and you can have a little idea of what shape your relationship is if you go to relationshipchecklist.com so i hope you'll go over there and see what's up so you can get some clarity thanks for spending this time with me and i look forward to being with you very soon. In the meantime, listen to back episodes. You'll be surprised at how much wisdom there is there for you. Talk soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. 
get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.